Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. All right. Good morning, good Thursday morning, and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here for the next two hours as we roll along until 11 a.m. Eastern. Apologies for the lack of sound. We are still trying to work out the kinks here. I thought I had one problem solved. We had our old mix board back in use with the new mic. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, there's... Still some issues with playing the commercials and being able to talk out of the, the microphone at the same time. So we will hopefully sooner rather than later iron out the kinks and get back to a fully operational Ryan Hickey show that you are used to. So again, I apologize for that. Thank you so much for bearing with me. We will fix that uh, very soon. Today does not seem, unfortunate to be that day, but we will roll on. We will push through. I want to say very busy Thursday morning. Because we had some big breaking news last night. Bruce Arians is now retiring from coaching from the Bucks. He's going to stay within the organization. But he is no longer now the head man in Tampa. That goes to defense coordinator Todd Bowles. We'll discuss what that means for Tampa moving forward. Is there another head coach on the hot seat potentially? We'll discuss that. There's a lot to get into between now and 11 a.m. Eastern. So let's dive right in. We are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Now, whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So I want to obviously hit on the big news of the day, and that is Bruce Arians retiring uh, from coaching, still staying within the organization. But there's one narrative that I am not buying coming out of this. There's one discussion that, frankly, I don't think makes any sense, no sense at all. And that's this notion, that's this idea, that's this narrative that Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians out. I don't believe it. I don't think it makes any sense if you're Tom Brady to force Bruce Arians to retire. I do believe Bruce Arians, at his word, when his explanation for retiring now was that he wanted to set up his assistant coaches for success. He wanted Todd Bowles, who has never had a quarterback in his head coaching career in four years with the Jets, and frankly, never even had a really good team at any point with the Jets. He wanted to set him up for a chance to be successful instead of stepping away and having them kind of go through a hiring process and have all of his assistants fired or have to get new jobs. So I do believe Bruce Arians when he says that he's stepping away now in order to give everyone else around him the best chance to succeed. I do think this was made on Bruce Arians' accord. I don't think anyone forced him out. I don't think anyone pushed him out, and I don't think Tom Brady kind of won this power struggle. Like, if we really think about it, this narrative that Brady forced Arians to retire, to force him out, to not be the head coach anymore, makes no sense. Because I'll ask you one question and a very simple question at that. If you're Tom Brady, would you rather have coaching you Bruce Arians or Todd Bowles? No disrespect to Todd Bowles, but you would take Bruce Arians as your head coach 10 times out of 10. For someone at Tom Brady who's going to be playing next season at 45 years old, 
who is now trying to win more, win another Super Bowl, go for eight, you're coming back because you're competitive and you want to win, I don't think you're forcing out your head coach who you have won a Super Bowl with, you're forcing him out in favor of a head coach that has had no success at any point in his head coaching tenure in four years of the Jets. It makes no sense. And a large part, a large reason for everyone making and drawing this conclusion that Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians out, Tom Brady got Bruce Arians to retire and won this power struggle, the reason for people believing that is that they think there's a rift between Brady and Bruce. I'm not buying that there is hatred, that there is disdain between the two. Because if you think about it, what Tom Brady wants is exactly what Bruce Arians brought. Tom Brady wants to be coached hard. We can make you know all of this stink about uh, you know um, about Bill Belichick and his coaching style and being too hard on Tom Brady at times and not giving him enough credit. Yes, but also Tom Brady is a competitor. Tom Brady is someone who is every day driven to succeed, driven to win. He was not looking for his new team to be with a yes man. He was not looking for a head coach to tell him everything he wants to hear. Tom Brady wants to get better. Tom Brady, again, wants to play at an extremely high level. How you do that is having a coach tell you when you are making a bad play, hey, Tom, that was a bad throw. He doesn't want his ass kicked. Or, excuse me, he doesn't want his ass kissed. Maybe ass kicked, but definitely does not want an ass kisser basically sucking up to Tom and telling him, oh, it wasn't your fault. Uh, You know, that was fine. Uh, you know, it's really someone else's problem when it's really his own. He wants to be coached hard. He thrives on constructive feedback. He thrives on actual coaching. So he didn't leave New England to basically find a yes man that's going to suck up to him and tell him whatever he wants to hear. And guess what? Bruce Arians being quote-unquote hard on Tom Brady got the best out of him. Bruce Arians' job in Tom coming to Tampa was to win as much as he can, get the best out of him, and try to win a Super Bowl. And guess what? Bruce Arians accomplished that. Bruce Arians, in his tough love coaching, had Tom Brady have some of the best years of his career. At 43 and 44 years old, Tom Brady experienced the most successful two-year span of his career under Bruce Arians. Arians. In his two years in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady threw for 9,949 yards and 83 touchdowns combined in that two-year span. That is the most combined yards and touchdowns in a two-year period in Tom Brady's career. Came in Tampa under Bruce Arians. That quote-unquote tough love coaching that apparently, according to many, created this big rift between Bruce and Brady. Well, guess what? Bruce Arians got the most out of Tom Brady. And again, Tom Brady had the most successful in terms of stats two-year span of his career under Bruce Arians. Last year, if you remember, Tom Brady led the NFL in passing yards, in passing touchdowns, in completions, and attempts. The offense with Tom Brady working in Bruce Arians' system worked. So if you're Tom Brady... You take a step back and you realize two of the best years of my career statistically came under Bruce Arians. 
And last year, in his offense, led the league in every statistical category. I won a Super Bowl in 2020. Why would you force out the one coach, the coach, that got the most out of you? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that Tom Brady would want to force out Bruce Arians after Bruce Arians literally got the best two years out of Tom Brady in his career. For someone that's motivated to win, for someone that all they want to do is driven to be better and always continue to get to improve over the course of a season, over the course of a game, Bruce Arians did that for Tom Brady. Why would Tom Brady then want to force him out? Force out the head coach I got the most out of him for what? For Todd Bowles? No. It doesn't make any sense. I am not buying that Tom Brady is the driving force behind Bruce Arians retiring. This is not a power struggle. There's no disdain between the two. Or maybe there's a little frustration, a little hatred. But it's definitely not the reason that, or it definitely didn't get to the point where Tom Brady basically was fighting with Bruce Arians and said, it's either me or you, buddy. And Bruce Arians retired. This, to me, was a working and manageable relationship that would have been fine if Bruce Arians returned for 2022. Because you also got to realize this. Tom Brady got whatever he wanted in that organization. He wasn't in a situation where the owner or the GM deferred to the head coach over the quarterback. Tom Brady had all the power he could ask for. He got any player he wanted, including... Players Bruce Arians was strictly against. Bruce Arians wanted no part of Antonio Brown. When those rumors in 2020 were floating around that the Buccaneers are interested in AB, when Tom Brady wanted to play or wanted Antonio Brown on the team, it was kind of almost recruiting him in a way. Bruce Arians went on the record, publicly said many times, we're not signing Antonio Brown. We have no interest in that. We don't want him on the team. He doesn't fit our team. Well, what happened? Buccaneers signed Antonio Brown. Why? Tom Brady wanted him. So Jason Light, the GM, even go up to the Glazer family, the owners, they gave Tom Brady whatever he wanted. You want Gronk? Come on down. You want us to sign a few other different players? Come on down. Tom Brady got whatever he wanted in Tampa. So again, if you want to force out Bruce Arians, if this is some sort of power struggle going on, well, Tom Brady had the power. Bruce Arians didn't. So if you're Tom again, forcing out Bruce Arians does what for you? Nothing. It does nothing because, again, you had whatever you wanted already. It wasn't like, again, the the team, the GM, the owners were deferring to Arians over Brady. We're listening to everything Bruce said and ignoring Tom Brady. Tom got exactly what he wanted every single time. Even players that Bruce Arians was strictly against wanted no part of. Guess what? Tom Brady won out in the end. So why again, if you were Tom Brady, would you want to force out not only the coach that got the most statistically out of you in the two seasons in Tampa, you won a Super Bowl with, you also were able, when he was head coach, to get whatever you wanted. You had ownership in the front office siding with you over Bruce Arians when it comes to personnel decisions. So again, when you had the power, when you have the success on the field, why would you want to force out Bruce Arians? It doesn't make any sense. And especially now when you look at the replacement, again, no disrespect to Todd Bowles, 
But when you look at Todd Bowles now coming in, you really think Tom Brady would rather play for Todd Bowles over Bruce Arians? You really think Tom Brady looks at uh, Todd Bowles' 24-40 and 40 record with the Jets when he was a head coach and says, that's the guy I want to play with? In my very short, limited window I have left to win a Super Bowl, maybe a year or two, I want to play for that guy? I won't suck it up playing for Bruce Arians if I hated him this much. Then I'm going to force him out and bring in an unknown as head coach that the first time around was a failure? No. Again, it doesn't make any sense. Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich had a lot of freedom when it came to the game plan, when it came to play calling. Hell, Byron Leftwich called the plays. So again, you can't even point to the fact that Tom Brady was frustrated with some of the game plan or, or some of the play calling because Bruce Arians didn't have anything to do with the play calling. And sure, maybe he had input on the game plan, but a lot of that was Byron and Brady. So when you look around, it doesn't make any sense in the world to think Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians to retire. There was no power struggle because, again, Tom Brady had all the power. And I'm not buying this big rift between the two because Bruce Arians did what exactly Tom Brady wanted, got the best out of him. So why on earth would it make any sense in Tom Brady's mind? If you believe Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians out, why would it, why would it behoove Tom Brady? Why would it make any sense for if you're Brady, if you're the GOAT, chasing number eight, to force Bruce Arians out of head coaching, even though he's staying within the organization, and bringing in Todd Bowles to be now your new head coach in a season that is Super Bowl or bust? Someone make it make sense because it doesn't. Tom Brady didn't force Bruce Arians out. Bruce Arians retired on his own. And I believe Bruce Arians really did retire with the intention of setting up Todd Bowles to succeed. This to me was a strictly Bruce Arians decision. I'm not buying anything that Tom Brady forced him out. But I'm curious your thoughts here. If you do think Tom Brady forced out Bruce Arians, if you think this was a power struggle won by the quarterback over the head coach, why? Why would it make sense then for Brady to force at Arians. Love to hear your thoughts. Facebook Worldwide Sports Reddit Network. You can tweet me on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show, at Ryan Hickey Show, or our show hand or our, our um, network account, WWSRN underscore radio. Check us out on YouTube Worldwide Sports Reddit Network. You can comment on the show, uh, the live stream of the show right there as well. So Bruce Arians retires yesterday. And it will be official. Well, there's a press conference later today. But do you believe Tom Brady forced out Bruce Arians? Did he force Arians to retire? I say no. What about you? Again, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. When we return, I'm going to speak about the replacement. That is Bruce. Uh, that is Todd Bowles. Did the Buccaneers make the right decision in putting Todd Bowles and making him the next head coach and replacing Bruce Arians? We'll do that when we return. Listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Again, if you're just tuning in, apologies for some of the technical difficulties here. 
Still trying to work out the kinks with commercials and the mic. For whatever reason, we can only get one to work. I guess rather have the mic working than the commercials working for sure. But we will hopefully iron those out uh, sooner rather than later. But appreciate you and your patience. And stick with us here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So the big news this morning coming off of last night's big retirement news that Bruce Arians is retiring uh, effective immediately. He is stepping away, still staying within the organization. And now Todd uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, is now assuming the head coaching role. No disrespect to Todd Bowles here. But I think the the Buccaneers made a mistake in promoting Bowles over Byron Leftwich. I would have promoted Leftwich, the offensive coordinator. I thought that was the move they were going to make. And I will say, just as surprising as the Bruce Arians retirement news was, I thought equally surprising was the fact that Todd Bowles was the one taking over for Byron Leftwich. I think it would have made a lot more sense to go with the offensive mind than the defensive mind. And I do think that it's a mistake for Tampa to go with Bowles. Because if you look at it, in an offensive league, I think it makes a lot more sense to hire Leftwich, your OC, than it is to promote Todd Bowles, your DC. Byron Leftwich so far... Whether it was in Arizona, but especially now in his you know two years in Tampa Bay, or his few years in Tampa Bay, I should say, excuse me, but the last two years working with Tom Brady, he is really shown to be a bright young mind in the NFL. He is a very creative play caller and designer. So he is one of the up-and-coming OCs in the NFL. He is shown, too, to work terrifically with Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, gained, you know, he's gained, the, I should say, the respect of Tom Brady, which is very hard to do knowing the standard Tom Brady sets, knowing how Tom Brady operates and how he likes to be coached all the time. For someone of Byron Leftwich that's, I mean, younger than Tom Brady, it takes a lot to gain their respect from someone you could almost view, in a sense, as a superior for how Tom Brady and how successful he has been. But Byron Leftwich has shown he's worked incredibly well with Tom Brady the last few years. He's gained his respect, that relationship from what we've seen publicly, has been nothing but great. And he has shown to have, you know, again, be one of the great young creative minds in the NFL. So I think it would have made a lot more sense if you're Tampa Bay to promote Leftwich to head coach. And basically in doing so, not only keeping Tom Brady happy, but also keeping one of the the great young minds in your organization for years to come and post Tom Brady. Because you look at Todd Bowles' deal now, right? They just ripped it up because he has a five-year, a brand new five-year contract moving forward to be the head coach. He's going nowhere, clearly. He's not a one and done. This is not like an interim situation where they're going to reassess at the end of the year after 2022. Todd Bowles is the head coach in Tampa. Five-year deal, he's going nowhere. Which would assume, which would lead you to believe, if Byron Leftwich wants to be a head coach, which he has shown um, interest towards, I mean, he's interviewed for jobs, he wants to be a head coach, he's going to have to now go elsewhere. There's really no more waiting around for Byron Leftwich because that opportunity now to be a head coach is not coming to Tampa Bay. And this is a guy who's already interviewed for the Jaguars job, reportedly got pretty deep in the interview process before withdrawing his name. So you got to assume he's going to leave sooner rather than later, especially with the age of Tom Brady. Whether you buy these reports that Tom Brady wants to play in Miami, whether it's this year, which I don't believe, whether it's even next year, which I still don't believe. If Tom Brady either leaves the Bucks or retires within the next year or two, 
then there's really nothing keeping Byron Leftwich in Tampa. And hell, Tom Brady might not even be enough to keep Byron Leftwich in Tampa because, again, he was interviewing for the Jaguars job and almost took it until really the Jaguars did what the Jaguars normally would do and pungle the situation. But you got to think and you got to realistically look at it. if you are Jason Light, the general manager, if you are the Glazer family and ownership, that Byron Leftwich, again, one of the young, creative, bright minds in the NFL, is going to lead to take a head coaching job sooner rather than later. And that to me is tough because there are far, it is far harder, I think, to hire a really good offensive coordinator now than it maybe used to be. And it's far more important now because a lot of those OCs are the ones getting the head coaching jobs. So when you look at the future, but because again, you got to look at this in one sense, okay, right now we are Super Bowl or bust contender, right? With Tom Brady, with the, with the way this team is constructed, you look at the rest of the NFC, whether it's just one year, whether it's just two years, the Buccaneers have a very right now short window to win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady as their quarterback. So sure, whether it's Bruce Arians, whether it's Byron Leftwich, whether it's someone else that's the offensive coordinator, for the most part, you would think Tom Brady runs this offense. Tom Brady is the engine behind the offense um, to make it to make it run. So whether it's any offense coordinator, he will have success in one way or another. But you got to also think about this for life after Tom Brady. That to me is where Byron Leftwich's value truly is. Because again, like I just said, I think no matter whose OC is, they'll have success. But now when you got to look, whether Tom Brady retires after the season, whether he leaves into you know leaves Tampa for another team after this season, very shortly the Buccaneers are going to be looking for a brand new quarterback. And whether it's in the draft, whether it's through a trade, it is a lot easier to develop a young quarterback to be successful when you have that really good offensive mind in the building to help develop him. Byron Luff, which has shown you so far, he can be that offensive mind to get the most out of a a whatever you know a certain quarterback. So for me when you now hire Todd Bowles to be your head coach, that means sooner or later, Byron Leftwich is going to leave. He's going to get another job elsewhere, and he's going to be the head coach of one of the other 31 teams. And that now leaves a hole, a vacuum at offensive coordinator, and it's going to probably be around the same time that you're looking to break in a new quarterback. So now, you're the Buccaneers in a year or two, you'll be breaking in a brand new OC and a brand new quarterback. That to me is not a recipe for success. That's tough. Sure, you can get lucky, hire the next up-and-coming offensive coordinator, have him work out really well with the young quarterback. But even if that happens, even if you have the case where you hit on the OC and he gets the most out of, let's say, a quarterback you draft in a year or two, well, guess what? He's going to leave too. And look who is getting hired right now. Teams are craving, teams are desperate for that young, innovative offensive coordinator that can work with a very young quarterback, that can get the most out of whatever franchise quarterback they have. So anyone that has success is getting hired immediately. And everyone from the Rams organization, offensively, is getting hired like wildfire. So if you do hit the lottery and do hire an offensive coordinator that does hit after Byron left, which whenever he leaves, well, that offensive coordinator is going to leave as well, and it's going to be a constant rotating door. That's what happens when you have a defensive-minded head coach as or defensive mind, defensive background as your head coach. Whereas 
if you promoted Byron Leftwich, you don't have to worry about any of these problems because he's not leaving. You hire Byron Leftwich as your head coach, you not only can feel comfortable you know, in the short term here with him and Tom Brady working well together and trying to win as many Super Bowls as possible, but also, again, whenever Tom Brady retires or leaves, you feel really comfortable that the next quarterback that comes in, Byron Leftwich will be able to work well with. Byron Leftwich will be able to get the most out of that quarterback. So now, because that's not the case, I think it makes only uh, it makes it only harder for the Buccaneers to find the next guy, find the next quarterback. Because whoever that next quarterback is, the offense coordinator slash play caller is going to be very important for the development. Look at the Bills. The Bills with Josh Allen and Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball each year made Josh Allen a better quarterback, was able to develop his talent, was able to cater the offense and the play calling to Josh Allen's strengths. We will see this offseason, or this season I should say, how much of an impact uh, Brian Dayball had on Josh Allen because now obviously Brian Dayball is the head coach of the Giants. If Josh Allen takes a step back, if the offense takes a step back, even if it's just slight, again, it just goes to show you the, the tough part when you hire a defensive-minded head coach that the offensive coordinator position is always going to be a rotating door. Anytime you have success, you're going to get hired to be someone else's head coach. So for the Buccaneers, you know you have a really good OC, a bright young mind in Byron Leftwich. I would have promoted him over Todd Bowles because not only is he younger, but because, again, it helps keep him in Tampa Bay and you are now, for me, planning more for the future and also the present. It's a win-win. Short term, you still leave your window to win a Super Bowl open because you have Tom Brady and they work well together. But also long term, you now have that offensive coordinator there. You have that developer of talent that whether you draft a quarterback or again, maybe you trade for, let's say, Kyler Murray. Let's say things go south in Arizona. You were able to trade for Kyler Murray next season. Well, Kyler Murray does have his flaws. He's a great young quarterback, super athletic, but he also needs development. Byron Leftwich can be that guy to develop the quarterback. But now, because you hired Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich might not be there. Byron Leftwich might leave for Arizona if they fire Cliff Kingsbury. So it makes it so much harder for the Buccaneers to, again, have sustained success on offense just because you go with a defensive-minded head coach. And again, now the offense coordinator role is going to be a revolving door for years to come. That makes it harder to develop a quarterback. It, ha- it ha- makes it harder to have continuity and consistency on the offensive end, which does lead to production, which does lead to success, which does lead to getting the most out of a quarterback when he hears one voice and is with one system for a decade compared to hearing three or four different voices and having three or four different you know, languages and offenses to learn. So I think the Buccaneers made a, made a mistake. I would have hired uh, Byron Leftwich. I think it would have been the right move. And frankly, I thought when Byron Leftwich interviewed with the Jaguars and then pulled his name out, he was there. He was going through the process. He was getting the second interview. They were talking about possibly, you know, finding a GM that works well with him. Duh, Byron Leftwich and the Jaguars got pretty deep into the head coaching search process. I thought for sure. When he pulled his name out, when he withdrew his name from consideration and returned to Tampa as the OC, I thought for sure Bruce Arians basically promised him, hey, you'll be the head coach in waiting. Whenever I decide to retire, whether it's after this season, whether it's after next season, 
you will be the head coach. Come back here. This is a better situation that's in Jacksonville, and you will have a better chance to succeed. I really thought that was kind of an, a wink-wink, nod-nod agreement that Bruce and Byron had. Obviously, not the case. The head coach are waiting, I was nowhere close on being correct, because obviously, uh, Todd Bowles not a head coach. So there's no head coach are waiting. There was no promise there from Bruce Arians. When he got Byron Leftwich to pull his name out of the Jaguars job and instead return to Tampa as the OC. So, as we know and as we see, Bruce Arians out, retiring as head coach of the Buccaneers. Todd Bowles in as a brand new head coach. I think it's a mistake because I would have hired Byron Leftwich. How about yourself? Did the Buccaneers make the right decision in hiring Todd Bowles over Byron Leftwich? Love to hear your thoughts at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter is where you can tweet me. Check us out on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Also on Facebook, same handle, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. When we return here in a few short minutes, Bruce Arians is out. Is there another successful head coach that could be on the hot seat? Well, their owner basically said yes. We'll discuss that when we return us into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So we talked about one head coach retiring, stepping away, that is Bruce Arians, moving on from the Buccaneers, and now Todd Bowles will replace him as the head coach effective immediately. Could there be another legendary head coach in the NFL whose future could be on the brink with their current team? I think yes. Because right now, if you listen to what Robert Kraft said this week at the NFL Odors meetings down in Florida, the possibility of Bill Belichick being fired by the Patriots is becoming more and more realistic. It sounds asinine. It sounds crazy. But if you listen, if you take, if you hear and you see what Robert Kraft said this week, he is subtly putting Bill Belichick on the hot seat. Now, again, I apologize. We have the audio. We're having some technical difficulties at the moment. So, actually, you know, we will try here. We're going to make a, a quick audible. We'll see if we can, we can make this work. All right. So, here is Robert Kraft this week at the owners' meetings. Putting Bill Belichick on blast. Well, we tried. Let's see one more thing. All right, there we go. So we will, again, I apologize. Thank you for bearing with us. Here's Robert Kraft this week putting Bill Belichick on the hot seat. There's two different ways that Robert Kraft just put Bill Belichick on the hot seat right there. If you listen to it, he just said, not only am I frustrated 
with the lack of postseason success the last three years. We got to get better at drafting. 2021 was a solid draft, but it's been pretty crappy the last few years. Now, look, I respect Robert Kraft a ton for saying this. This guy, again, is four years removed from the greatest two-decade dynasty we've ever seen. And this is a Patriots team that has been to nine Super Bowls. That is one six. So I really respect Robert Kraft, not even five years removed from, again, a 20-year run of success where he's frustrated. He's hungry for more. I respect the hell to that. I think every team should want their owner to sound like Robert Kraft. I am not a Robert Kraft fan in any sense. I am not a big fan of his, but I will say, hearing him say that, I have a lot of respect for what Robert Kraft said right there. But here's the reality, though, if you're Bill Belichick and why he's on the hot seat. That hunger is not a good thing for Bill Belichick's job security. Because guess what? If Robert Kraft is frustrated in the last three years, forget about making the playoffs, that he's frustrated they haven't had a playoff win. Well, what makes you think it's going to get any better anytime soon? And what makes you think he would accept losing even in the next few years? All right, if he's frustrated... That the team has now won a playoff game in three years. Again, despite the fact they won a Super Bowl as recently as 2018. The last three years, Robert Kraft is frustrated that they don't even have a playoff victory. Forget about making the or missing the playoffs. They made the playoffs two of the last three years. They don't have a victory though. And that still bothers and irks Robert Kraft. How is he going to cope with the reality that the Patriots are going to miss the playoffs more times than not in the next few seasons? Like, do you really think he's going to be A-OK? If the Patriots miss the playoffs the next two years and he's going to give Bill a lifetime contract, I could absolutely see him firing, absolutely see him firing Bill Belichick within the next few years if this Patriots team continues to backslide. And you look at how the Patriots are constructed. I mean, let's call it for what it is. Barring an unforeseen major move at quarterback, the Patriots are going to be on the outside looking in on the postseason for most years to come. And that lack, forget about lack of playoff success, lack of making the playoffs, I think would force Robert Kraft to fire Bill Belichick. And you look at right now the loaded AFC, right? If we just take a a quick poll and a quick look around the conference, the Patriots, right? They are behind, I would say safely, they are behind the Chiefs, they are behind the Bills, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Browns, the Bengals, the Raiders. That's seven teams right there that are, I think, without dispute, better than the Patriots. I think right now the Patriots are on par with the Dolphins and the Colts. So you look at two, the seven spots available. We didn't even name one AFC South team that's better than them, but an AFC South team is going to win the division. They're going to get a playoff spot. There are eight teams, at least bare minimum, that are better positioned right now than the Patriots to make consistent playoff runs year in and year out. So if you look at this Patriots team the next few years, it's going to be an uphill climb each and every year just to make the postseason. Forget about winning games. Just making the playoffs is going to be an uphill climb for the Patriots every single year. And then if you do make the postseason, let's call it for what it is, you are going to be on the short end of the quarterback matchup every single time. Mac Jones versus Derek Carr, Advantage Raiders. Mac Jones versus Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, 
Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, advantage every team. So now, if Robert Kraft is upset that the last three years they haven't had a playoff victory, how is he going to cope with the reality that it's going to be harder for the Patriots more times than not just to make the playoffs outright? And then you're going to have the worst quarterback matchup in almost any and every playoff game you play in. So it's going to be even harder where quarterback play truly makes a difference in the postseason for the Patriots to even win a playoff game, let alone get back to their level of success they had uh, the past 20 years. So if Robert Kraft, again, is upset with just the fact they haven't won a playoff game in the last three years, do you really think he's going to be A-OK with the Patriots then missing the playoffs or struggling just to get into the playoffs every single year? I don't think it's going to sit well with him. He is hungry to win. He has an expectation to win. And I could definitely see him making a move to fire Bill Belichick if those expectations aren't met in the next year or two. Because also, you look at the Patriots. This roster needs a lot of work. Like for, we just kind of harped on a little bit with Mac Jones and the, uh, and the quarterback. But if you look at the rest of the team, they have no wide receiver threat at all. Who scares you? Jacoby Myers? Come on. No one, you know, Kendrick Bourne? There's no wide receiver threat on the outside at all. Secondary just lost two of their best players in Stephon Gilmore, who was traded during the season, and J.C. Jackson, who left to go with the Chargers. You traded away, for whatever reason, one of your best offensive linemen in Shaq Mason. You got a a fifth-round pickback for him. So this roster needs a lot of work to where, again, it is going to be an uphill climb every single year for the Patriots to make the playoffs. And then, when you look at the coaching staff that Bill Belichick has has assembled this offseason, it's been in flux. Josh McDaniels leaves to take the Raiders' job, and now... Well, Bill Belichick is playing coy, well, Bill Belichick is, is not giving any titles out. So technically, right now, the Patriots don't have an offensive coordinator. It's reported, and Bill's even mentioned himself, that two men that are going to have a heavy role in the offense are, are you ready? Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. A defensive-minded coach for the majority of his career, and a special teams or wide receivers coach for most of his career are going to be the two people most involved in the offense. The two people most prepared for and most involved in getting Mac Jones to develop in year number two to hopefully have him take that jump. Does that sound like a recipe for success for you? Does Matt Patricia and Joe Judge scream offensive innovation? Scream mismatch for other defensive coordinators hell no so if that blows up in Bill Belichick's face if he truly rolls out in 2022 with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being the two guys most instrumental in the offense do you think Robert Kraft is going to let that slide if that is an embarrassment if that goes south if Matt Jones gets worse than he did in year number one if the offense looks like a, a, a total mess in 2022 I'm results-oriented, meaning I will see, I'll trust Bill Belichick now. If this blows up in his face, he'll pay for it later. If this doesn't work out, if this is an embarrassment, that is when all of a sudden the hammer starts to drop. So Robert Kraft is credit. 
I think does what a lot uh, or a good owner should do. Let the people he hires do their job. He's not meddling. He's not trying to force Bill Belichick to name an offense coordinator, hire an offense coordinator that he wants. He is letting Bill Belichick basically run the show and have as much reign on the organization as possible, which I think is absolutely what you should be doing if you're an owner. With that said, though, that last part is key. He is results-oriented. So if this doesn't work out, if the Patriots take a step back in 2022, which I think they will, they miss the playoffs outright, maybe you won't get fired in 2022. I don't think Bill Belichick will get fired in 2022. Absolutely not. But if this continues 2023, another season of mediocrity, I think absolutely Robert Kraft would fire Bill Belichick. In that first clip, he told you I'm upset about the lack of success, and he said he's result-oriented in the second clip. So both times, Robert Kraft is telling you he expects to win, he is ready to win, he is not settling on the 20-year run they had and basically being complacent. He wants to win every single year. So I don't think he's going to accept mediocrity and keep Bill Belichick around just because he's won a few games in the past, just because he's won ho-hum six Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Robert Kraft wants to win every single year. And I think he'd make the necessary moves in order to get closer to a Super Bowl. And if that man firing Bill Belichick in a year or two, I think he would. And before you go down the road of Bill Belichick retiring, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Bill Belichick, I think his last motivation right now is to become the all-time wins leader. He is third in NFL history in terms of head coaching victories. He has 290. He is chasing John, uh, Don Shula, who is 328. So in order to pass Don Shula, quick math, Bill Belichick needs 39 more wins in his career to become the all-time winningest head coach in NFL history. Basically, if you average four, you know, 10 wins a season, that's four years at least he'll be the head coach. I don't see them averaging 10 wins a season, and I don't see Bill Belichick remaining in New England for another four or five years if this team is constantly missing the playoffs and constantly not winning playoff games. Robert Kraft just told you he is frustrated with the lack of playoff victories the last three years. They made it in 2019. They made the playoffs last year, Matt Jones. But that is not good enough in his mind. So if now you look at this Patriots roster, where again, they are clearly behind seven teams in the AFC. I think they're on on par with teams like the Colts and the Dolphins. So in any given year, those teams could be better than New England. We could be looking at the Patriots, realistically this year, being the 10th best team in the AFC. If Robert Kraft is upset about not winning playoff games, how is he going to react to being the 10th best team in your own conference out of 16? Not very well. And if that doesn't get any better, that doesn't improve, I don't see Robert Kraft basically doing Bill Belichick a favor and keeping him around for as long as he wants to be there until he breaks Don Shula's record and wins 39 more games. I think absolutely Robert Kraft would fire Bill Belichick. Not to mention, let's not forget, in this holy trinity of Kraft, Belichick, Brady, the two closest out of those three were Kraft and Brady. In some cases, Belichick was the odd man out. Kraft, if Brady said yes, Kraft is ready basically to overthrow Bill Belichick and keep Tom Brady in New England. Kraft would have stepped in and done whatever it took to keep Tom Brady a Patriot if that's what he truly wanted. So he is 
If they had to pick a side, more on Tom Brady's side than Bill Belichick. He is not married to the head coach. They've had a lot of success. I'm not saying there's, you know, a, a big rift or, or there's a lot of tension there. But the reality is, Robert Kraft has always been closer. He's always preferred and given the ear to Tom Brady more than the head coach, Bill Belichick. So again, why would he keep Bill in charge, in place, if results aren't there? I think Bill Belichick will eventually become the all-time winning head coach. I think he will pass Don Shula. I just don't think it's happening on the Patriots sideline. I really don't. You hear Robert Kraft talk this week. You hear him about his frustration about lack of playoff success. You hear him saying, you know, Bill Belichick deserves the benefit of the doubt, but also I'm results-oriented. This blows up in the next year or two. I think Bill Belichick is safely uh, entrenched in 2022. I think he will not get fired after the season. But if you follow 2022 up with a missed playoff, you know, let's say they missed the playoffs, and follow that up in 2023 with a similar outing, I think Robert Kraft would absolutely pull the cord and say it's time to move on. They could do it mutually. They could agree that he'll step down and resign. They'll they'll dress it up. I don't think they'll embarrass Bill with the with the announcement of him getting fired. But I would be shocked that he, he would be the Patriots head coach in 2024. That to me is what I garner, what I gain, what I what I surmise after hearing Robert Kraft talk this week. So I'm curious your thoughts here. You hear Robert Kraft voices frustration about the lack of player success. And basically being results-oriented. Is Bill Belichick in the hot seat? Is there a chance in New England, Bill Belichick will finish his career not on the sideline there and somewhere else? Could he be fired? Love to hear your thoughts here at 8, or 85. I was going to give the phone number. No phone number here. Just said we're just all over the social media platform instead. So Twitter, you could tweet me at Ryan Hickey Show. Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter or WWSRN underscore radio. You can write on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And also you can comment on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Radio Network there as well. When we return, the middle class in the NFL, in society, is dead. We'll explain more what I mean by that when we return this into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As always, the 10 o'clock hour is brought to you by LC Design. Charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions. So make sure your guests are both happily fed with some aesthetically pleasing and delicious charcuterie boards made by Lauren Clark herself. So check out lcdesignsnyc.com, lcdesignsnyc.com for more information. 20 minutes from now, I do want to get to the future of Lamar Jackson, why he will not be a Baltimore Raven in the future. But I do want to talk about right now, I do want to talk about the quarterback market and a few other quarterbacks. And that is one development I think we have realized this NFL offseason is that the middle class of quarterbacks is dead. Just like society, where the middle class is shrinking and is almost irrelevant, the middle class of quarterbacks in the NFL is completely dead. It, to me, the one reason why Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G, both accomplished quarterbacks, both winning quarterbacks, 
have yet to be traded. Teams now are so obsessed with finding that top guy, finding that elite quarterback, that if you can't find him, because they're so hard to come by, they're a diamond dozen, there's only 8, 9, 10 elite quarterbacks out of 32, less than a third of teams have a, a truly elite franchise quarterback you feel really good about. So if you don't have one of those 8, 9, 10 guys, no teams right now are settling for good to pretty good quarterbacks. And you know what? I hate to say it. I agree with this philosophy. I think it does behoove teams to basically run through quarterbacks left and right, to turn over every stone possible until you find your franchise guy. Because as we know, it is a lot easier to win with an elite franchise quarterback than it is to try to win with a good to pretty good quarterback. Right? Is it easier to win with Alex Smith or Patrick Holmes if you're Andy Reid? Is it easier to win with... Hell, I don't know. Let's see. Um, Tyra Taylor, if you are the Bills, or is it easier to win with Josh Allen? Is it easier to win if you're Cincinnati with Andy Dalton or Joe Burrow? The answer is obvious. We are seeing that more and more as the years progress. How much easier, how much more these teams who are finding that elite franchise guy how much more they have success. So now teams are realizing, well, we got to just do whatever we can to find that guy. And quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, the good, some cases pretty good quarterbacks, are being left out in the cold because no one wants to pay for a good to pretty good quarterback when you still have an uphill battle when you are facing these elite quarterbacks. And when you look now at the landscape of the NFL, When you look at how every team who has that elite franchise quarterback, if you look at how they got them, they're all basically pretty similar. Every team that has an elite quarterback right now moved on from a pretty good quarterback. It wasn't like they had no one. It wasn't like they had, you know, garbage and they turned it to gold. They had pretty good quarterbacks that you could win with, but they took the risk of upgrading to make their team go from good to great, and it all worked out. Look at some of these teams. Kansas City Chiefs. Before they got Patrick Mahomes, they had Alex Smith. Alex Smith, in his time in Kansas City, made three Pro Bowls in the five years he was with the Chiefs. They made the playoffs four times. You could clearly win with Alex Smith as your quarterback, and again, he made a few Pro Bowls as well. So it wasn't like he was some scrub. It wasn't like he was just some throwaway quarterback that was just a placeholder. Alex Smith showed you in KC he could win. He could be a quarterback to lead you to the playoffs. What the Chiefs realize and Andy Reid realizes, well, he can get us to the playoffs. We can't win any games to him in the playoffs. So guess what? They moved off of him and drafted Patrick Mahomes. The Bills made the playoffs in 2017 with Terod Taylor. The Bills have not made, you know, they have been an organization that has really struggled for a long time before getting Josh Allen. And you finally make the playoffs for the first time in a long time with Terod Taylor. The very next season, boom, they move off of Terod. They draft Josh Allen. The Ravens won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. They have a Super Bowl to their name because of Joe Flacco. But yet in 2018, they benched Joe Flacco halfway through the year for Lamar Jackson. They've never looked back. The Browns. Say what you want about Baker Mayfield. The Browns won their first playoff game in 26 years with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. I am 27 years old. 
Last year, if I was a Browns fan, it would have been the first win, the first playoff game I have ever, or playoff win, I have witnessed in my lifetime. Thankfully, I'm not a Browns fan, so I've seen other success with the Colts. But if you are a Browns fan, if you are a young Browns fan under 30, Baker Mayfield is the only quarterback you remember that won you a playoff game. For organizations had a lot of, or a lack of success, that's hard to move off of a quarterback who did something in 26 years that has never been done before. The Rams went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. They got to the 2018 Super Bowl with Jared Goff as their quarterback. And we know with the 49ers, they not only made a Super Bowl in 2019, they then made the NFC title game this past year. So the 49ers, the Rams, the Browns, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, they all have, outside of San Fran, we don't know what Trey Lance is going to be, but the Rams, Browns, Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, all have five of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, let's say. They all have an elite-level quarterback on their roster. But how they got them was moving off of a pretty good quarterback before. It's not easy to do when you're having consistent success with an Alex Smith or a Joe Flacco or a Baker Mayfield or a Jared Goff. But teams moved off of those quarterbacks to take a bigger swing. Those quarterbacks, Alex Smith, Trod Taylor, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Jimmy G, they are all in the middle class of quarterbacks. And these teams said, ah, we're okay. We're going to move on. And you look at other teams too, the Cardinals. They got Kyler Murray. What did they do before Kyler Murray? They drafted Josh Rosen the year before. They drafted a quarterback number nine overall. They said, you know what? One year, we know if, if he's good or not, we know he is surely not good. We're out of here. And they moved on and took Kyler Murray. The Bucks took Jameis Winston number one overall in 2015. It's extremely rare for a team to draft a quarterback number one overall and not give him a second contract extension. The Bucs did not do that, and so they brought in Tom Brady. So every team that has a elite-level or franchise-level quarterback on their roster did so by moving off of an average to pretty good quarterback or a young quarterback taken very high in the draft where teams show extra patience, and it's worked out for them. So these teams don't regret moving on, and neither should you. And I'll be honest, I find myself a prisoner of the moment. I find myself talking myself into Baker Mayfield. I mean, I'll be honest, as a Colts fan, when they traded Carson Wentz, my number one target was Baker Mayfield. That was a quarterback I wanted. I think he, at times, getting disrespected. I feel like we're putting too much emphasis on 2021, and I think a lot of that had to do with injuries to his shoulder. You also look at the Browns' upheaval since he's gotten there in 2018. He's had four head coaches uh, in three years. He's never. He's only at one time in his career had has had one uh, a consistent offense. Like if you look at it, Kevin Stefanski from 2020 to 2021 was the only time in Baker Mayfield's career where he took an offense from one year to the next. So he's always constantly learning new offenses. He's always constantly learning from new head coaches. He never had any continuity or consistency. And now getting hurt in 2020 early on, I think Baker Mayfield's still a really good quarterback that can have success. I think Baker Mayfield is a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with. I really do. I truly do. But with that said, though, I also acknowledge and recognize you need the perfect situation around Baker Mayfield. You need a great O-line. You need a very good run game. You need game-breaking wide receivers. You need a great defense. 
You basically need what the 49ers had last year around Jimmy G. That's what you need. And you know what? Teams are realizing that's a lot harder to do. It is a lot harder to get everything else around the quarterback perfect to prop him up instead of going to find that elite young quarterback that makes everyone else around him better. It is a lot easier now for a quarterback to make a bad O-line better than it is for an O-line to make an average quarterback pretty good. Look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow took the one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL to the Super Bowl. And they're a few minutes away from winning. So guess what? Teams are telling you, teams are showing you, it doesn't really pay to have a good to pretty good quarterback anymore. It's one end of the spectrum. Either you got an elite guy or you don't. And you, when you don't, you got to be always searching, always looking to find that elite guy. And there's no better example of that and showing why the middle class of quarterbacks is dead than looking at the quarterbacks that were traded or signed this offseason. Look at the quarterback movement we had this offseason. Deshaun Watson traded from the Texans to the Browns. Mitch Trubisky signed with the Steelers. Teddy Bridgewater signed as backup with the Dolphins. Matt Ryan traded from the Falcons to the Colts. Russell Wilson, as we know, traded to the Broncos. Terod Taylor signed as a backup with the Giants. Carson Wentz traded to the Commanders. Marcus Mariota signed with the Falcons. Jameis Winston, Drew Locke. Those are every quarterback, for the most part, that were either signed or traded for this offseason. They all have one common threat, or, or they all are grouped into either two categories, elite or below average. Right? If you look at it, Deshaun Watson, in the, in the elite category. Uh, Russell Wilson, obviously, in the elite category. But then you look at Drew Locke going to the Seahawks, Russell, uh, I'm sorry, Jameis Winston going back to the Saints, Marcus Mariota going to the Falcons, Mitch Trubisky going to the Steelers. These quarterbacks are either elite level, which is what teams want to trade for, or they're crappy. But those crappy quarterbacks do give teams an advantage because it gives them flexibility. Financially and draft capital-wise, if you look at the Steelers this year, you sign Mitch Trubisky to a two-year $16 million deal. Do you have any faith Mitch Trubisky can develop into being one of the top 10 quarterbacks? Forget in the league, in the AFC? No. But you sign him at a cheap deal so he can be a placeholder now. It still allows you to draft a quarterback in 2022 if there's a guy you fall in love with, but also gives you the flexibility where, okay, we don't get a guy in the draft this year. If we run Mitch out next year, worst case scenario, we think we can either move up in the draft to draft someone or we still have assets available to be able to trade and, and maybe, who knows, Kyler Murray is the next quarterback that's frustrated. Or Lamar Jackson somehow, for whatever reason, wants to go to the Steelers and you can make a trade for that individual. Let's just say things get nuts. You give yourself flexibility to make a move to get that next guy. So that's what teams are, are looking at now. There's really two motivations when it comes to trading for a quarterback. Are they elite? If the answer is yes, obviously you're making the move. We saw Russell Wilson get traded. We saw teams dying to trade for um, Aaron Rodgers before he decided to return to Green Bay. And we saw teams have a, a big-time bidding war, at least the four teams that Deshaun Watson approved to trade to. We saw that all you know unfold before us. So teams are down. Teams are dying to trade for young franchise-level quarterbacks. But if you can't get that elite guy, a lot of teams now are opting for the bargain. For the below average but cheap quarterback, where you don't have to give up a lot of draft capital or any at all. 
Oh, you have to sign to big time deals because when you have an average quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo making $26 million a year, when you have Baker Mayfield on the hook for almost $20 million this year, teams don't want to be paying quarterbacks that are okay to pretty good a high compensation and also giving up a lot to get them. You hurt your ability then asset-wise and salary cap-wise to make a move for a better quarterback down the road. So most teams have realized if you don't have the guy, well, you need to find the guy. And the easiest way to find the guy is by being flexible, having quarterbacks on your roster that make very little salary. They don't have to worry about being that. You don't have to worry about getting upset if you look around and try to get someone else. And don't prevent you if you fall in love with the guy in the draft from drafting someone and having it be an issue. So the middle class of quarterbacks, I think this offseason shows, it's dead. Teams aren't interested anymore in the good to pretty good quarterbacks. They are interested in one of two things. Elite level quarterback or flexibility at the quarterback position to make a move down the road. You don't want to get tied up. You don't want to get tied up, I should say, in good to pretty good quarterbacks, which is why when you look at the Raiders, I would not pay Derek Carr or give him an extension this offseason. I'd like to see what he can do this year with Josh McDaniels first, but Derek Carr, I think, no matter what, will be the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. And I think it's tough to really justify paying Derek Carr all that money when, at best, you are a playoff team. When he is not a top 10 quarterback. And when you do pay Derek Carr $40 million a year and something opens up either in the draft or in a a trade possibility, it makes it hard to move off of him. It doesn't give you that flexibility that teams crave in order to make a deal. So when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, for all the success he has had recently, again, making a Super Bowl and an NFC title game in two of the last three years, you look at Baker Mayfield bringing a playoff victory to Cleveland for the first time in 26 years just last year. There's no reason on paper why these two guys shouldn't have a market. But the reality is they don't. And it's because teams are done, teams are over paying for inefficiency. Paying good quarterbacks really good quarterback money. Overpaying for an average quarterback when instead they realize average quarterbacks, are it's almost impossible to win. So elite level quarterback is what they want. If you can't get elite level, then you are going for the bargain. You are going bargain hunting, if you will, in order to, to find and give yourself flexibility to find the next guy. Middle class of quarterbacks, dead this off season. When we return here, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson because his contract situation is confounding. It is bizarre. But I do think it leads us to one conclusion. He will not be a Baltimore Raven in the near future. Well, I'll discuss that, uh, why I believe that next. You'll listen to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show with you, as you just heard on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So we talked a lot about quarterbacks in this last segment and kind of teams trying to either find that elite quarterback or do whatever they can to get that elite quarterback. Well, the Ravens, I would say, have a pretty damn good quarterback in Lamar Jackson. 
But this might be one of the rare situations where I think we're seeing unfold right in front of our eyes where the Ravens won't be able to keep that young star quarterback. The situation surrounding Lamar Jackson and a potential contract extension has been very bizarre. Extremely bizarre. But it has me believing Lamar Jackson is not long for Baltimore. I think he's leaving the Ravens in a few years and he's signing signing a fat extension with another team. I don't think he's staying in Baltimore here uh, and leaving within the next year or two because it has all to do with money. Lamar Jackson wants a number the Ravens aren't offering. That is why, if you look at what happened this offseason, the Ravens have been very vocal, very adamant about wanting to give Lamar Jackson a contract extension. On the record, publicly, multiple times, the head coach, John Harbaugh, the GM, Eric DaCosta, and this week, the even the owner of the Ravens, Steve Bashotti, have all talked publicly about wanting to give Lamar Jackson a contract extension, wanting to keep Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Usually, we see the other way around. Right? Usually, quarterbacks are the ones banging down the door, trying to force a team to give them a contract extension, and the team is a hesitant one. The Ravens have been the vocal ones in saying, we want to give Lamar a deal. We want to keep him in Baltimore. But the bizarre part about this is that Lamar has no interest, apparently, of talking and negotiating about a new deal. John Harbaugh said, listen, Lamar has not come to the table. Eric Tacosta said, look, we've reached out, but he right now has no interest in having contract negotiations. Steve Bashad, the owner, has basically said, look, I think Lamar is... So focused on winning a Super Bowl that he's not worried about contract negotiations right now. The owner of the Ravens said he does not think a contract extension is happening this offseason. So Lamar has shown a lack of interest in even discussing a contract extension with the Ravens, whereas the Ravens are basically the one knocking on his door every single day saying, Hey, Lamar, we got a contract for you. You know, please come sign up. Let's talk. How can we keep you in Baltimore? There's one reason why I think the Ravens have been the ones pushing for a contract and Lamar has it. I don't think the two sides are in the same ballpark. I think Lamar Jackson is so turned off by the offer that Baltimore is giving him that he's not even talking. He's not even giving them the light of day because he doesn't take their offer seriously. I want to play something from Jason Lockin for CBS Sports NFL Insider. He was on the Rider Than You show on CBS Sports Radio earlier this week. He was at the owners' meetings. And he was basically explaining why Lamar Jackson has yet to even engage in contract talks. It's very interesting. Take a listen. Did he miss their sweet spot? That's just the reality. Um, you know, the opportunity to try to get him for Josh Allen money or slightly above it, you know, 45 a year. Had they done something like that prior to the start of last season? I, I think... It, 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 it would have gotten his attention. And again, he doesn't use an agent. It's a bit of a non-traditional contract, but it doesn't mean he's naive. It doesn't mean that he's some waif. It doesn't mean he's not paying attention. And it doesn't mean that he has a sense of his own value. But he also is not one who's going to go out of his way to engage, to tip his hand, to get involved in a whole lot of conversations with the GM about his future and his contract because he is focused on football and he knows the better he plays, the more money he makes and quarterback salaries always go crazy. And now they go crazier than ever before. So it is a bit of a perfect storm for the Ravens. Their owner, Steve Bashotti, talked to some of the, the beat writers 
down at the meetings who cover the team on a daily basis and, and opined about this and everything he said is true and, and he's kind of saying well maybe there's a way that we solve this that doesn't involve the kind of fully guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got I say you know okay and maybe somebody offers you 200 uh, million for your yacht that's worth 350 million and you say go ahead and take it I don't think either's happening so there's Jason Lockett for, again, extremely plugged in NFL insider, speaking on CBS Sports Radio earlier this week, basically saying Lamar Jackson right now is looking for a fully guaranteed deal similar to what Deshaun Watson got. The Browns gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million deal fully guaranteed. That contract is massive because it changes now the quarterback market. Instead of, you know, shooting for average annual value where Aaron Rodgers is a leader in the clubhouse at $50 million a year, Quarterbacks are going to start looking at it and say, you know what? Forget about being the highest paid. I want to have the most guaranteed. Because guess what? I know at least that no matter what happens, whether it's play, whether it's performance, whether it's injuries, I will be getting my money. And I do think if you hear, you know, Jason Lockett say it, Lamar Jackson has a number in his mind that's closer to Sean Watson. And it sounds like the Ravens do not. He said they missed a sweet spot. He said they would love to get Josh Allen money, which is about $42, $43 million a year. That ship has sailed. Again, the longer you wait, the the more expensive quarterback contracts get because they always one-up each other. They always go above and beyond. So the next quarterback to get an extension is going to probably just surpass Lamar, uh, just surpass Deshaun Watson's guarantee of $230 million. We are seeing a brand new market evolve, and that Deshaun Watson contract really flipped the entire quarterback market on its head. So if Lamar Jackson, if Jason Lockett is correct, I think he is, where Lamar Jackson is looking at that Deshaun deal saying, I deserve that and that's what I want. I think right now the Ravens are the ones that are balking and the Ravens are the ones that should say that aren't giving Lamar what he wants. And if he's one of those guys that's saying, if you're not going to give me what I want, I'm not even going to entertain the offer. That to me is why I think Lamar Jackson won't be in Baltimore for the long haul. Because if you're the Ravens, if you are truly committed to Lamar, you are getting the deal done now. You are getting a deal done because you know in the back of your head it's only going up. I think the Ravens are lowballing Lamar here. Whether it was an offer this offseason, whether it was an offer last year heading into the season, I think the Ravens gave Lamar Jackson an offer he felt that was insulting. And now the reason why he's not even talking, he's not even coming to the table when you have the head coach, the GM, and the owner. Basically begging Lamar, come to the table, please. We are willing to give you a deal. We want you to be in Baltimore. And, and Lamar's not even giving them the uh, time of day. For me, that says they, they lowballed Lamar Jackson. Lamar's not even taking them seriously. And he's not going to waste his time talking about numbers and figures when they are nowhere near the same ballpark. That's why I do think we are, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to be out of Baltimore sooner rather than later. He's on his fifth-year option. They will 100% slap the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson next year if they don't have a contract extension done. And again, you had the owner this week of the Ravens saying he would be shocked if a deal between Lamar and the Ravens gets done this offseason. So you're going to go to next year. You're going to slap the franchise tag on next year. Then what? You're going to go year by year, and then he's going to reach for agency, and then he's going to leave for nothing? They will be a team. They'll offer the money he wants, uh, Lamar wants. And it doesn't say like that team is the Ravens. But I also want to play something else from, from Jason Lockerford that I think brings this even, you know, into light a little bit more. Because as we're talking about the Sean Watson deal and how that basically turned the entire 
um, quarterback market upside down with $230 million fully guaranteed. He looked at not just Lamar's situation, but the situation in Arizona with Kyler Murray, the situation in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, and in L.A. with Justin Herbert. Those three quarterbacks are also scheduled to get paid either this year or next year. Well, you had also Jason Lockett-Fora speaking on Rider Than You uh, earlier this week on CBS Sports Radio. He basically hinted at one of those four quarterbacks, Lamar, Kyler, Herbert, Burrow. They'll be getting paid, but not from their current team. So there's Jason Lockett for basically telling you, again, a very plugged-in NFL insider saying this week on CBS Sports Radio, he believes either Herbert, Burrow, Murray, Lamar won't be getting paid from their current team and will be traded because the owner of that team does not want to be paying $250 million guaranteed, $275 guaranteed, and if you want to get nuts, $300 million guaranteed. The Deshaun Watson deal has flipped the entire quarterback market on its head. And if you look at those four situations specifically, the next four quarterbacks that are in line to get a big payday, I know the two teams that are the cheapest are the Chargers and the Bengals. Notoriously cheap, the Spanos family, and notoriously cheap, the Brown family. I don't think either, though, realize or or will be cheap enough to lose out on their quarterbacks. If you're the Chargers, you realize you are not only in a fight to in a very loaded AFC West, you're in a fight in your own hometown in LA. The Rams just won the Super Bowl. You, The only way you can gain popularity, the only way you gain a fan base, the only way you make more money is by getting more people to your stadium and having more people invested in the Chargers. It is going to be a hell of a lot harder to take a hold of LA and get a strong foothold in a city that has a Super Bowl champion in it already and if you trade away your star young quarterback because you're too cheap to pay it, that is a death sentence. I don't think the Chargers will do that. The Bengals just saw Joe Burrow lead them to the Super Bowl. I don't think now Mike Brown all of a sudden is going to say, ah, that was fun, but we're not going to pay $300 million. I know he's very cheap. I know they don't have an indoor stadium or an indoor practice facility, which is a very rare thing in the NFL. But I do think when it comes to paying Joe Burrow, the Bengals will absolutely pay the freight and not have this get ridiculous. And I do think the Cardinals, because they gave contract extensions to Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury this offseason, I do think they will pay Kyler Murray. The one team I keep coming back to right now that I don't think is going to pay their quarterback is the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Lamar does not seem to be budging. Again, he's not wasting his time 
going to the negotiating table if the two aren't even in the same ballpark. And I don't see things changing to where the Ravens will all of a sudden be A-OK with giving Lamar Jackson $230 million guaranteed. And the Ravens owner, Steve Bashad, this week basically was lamenting the fact, was upset with the Browns in a way for guaranteeing Deshaun Watson that much money because he realized, well, that's going to screw me. He said he wished the Browns didn't do it. Because he knows in the back of his mind, that means I now have to do it and I don't want to do it. I don't see how Lamar Jackson's a Raven in two to three years. He'll be there in 2022. I think they'll slap the first franchise tag him and he'll be there in 2023. But you know how Dak Prescott and the Cowboys eventually agreed to a deal after the or going into the second year of the franchise tag? I think we'll see the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson after next season because they got to get something back because they don't want to pay him the guaranteed money that it's going to take to keep him in Baltimore. I think they lowballed Lamar Jackson on their initial offer. Lamar, because he does have an agent, now is privy to those conversations. He kind of saw the ugly negotiating side of the NFL. I think he takes it personal. And that's that's why I think he's not even coming to the negotiating table. Again, head coach, the GM, and and the owner of the Ravens, all three are begging Lamar Jackson to come and sign an extension with them. When do you hear that publicly? When do you hear the owner and the GM basically saying, we would love to give Lamar a deal. We would love to make him, you know, the quarterback of the Ravens forever. He's just not coming to the table. You never hear that. There's a reason for it. I think the first offer was so low, Lamar saying, screw you guys, I'll play here. I know we tweeted yesterday that, you know, that all these rumors and narratives um, that him wanting to leave Baltimore are not true. Listen, I expect him to say that. You can't be causing drama. Lamar is not one of those guys that wants to cause drama. If you tweet and do something like Kyler Murray did, even if it's as small as erasing the Ravens from your social media, people noticed that that created a, a firestorm for a few weeks about Kyler Murray's future. Lamar Jackson doesn't want that distraction. So he, I think, will play nice publicly and say there's nothing wrong. I don't want to leave Baltimore. That's where I want to be. But I think deep down he knows he is not signing a second contract with the Ravens. I think he'll be playing elsewhere, whether it's 2023, 2024. He is not long for Baltimore. He is not signing a second contract there. I think I would be shocked if that does happen. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Should the Ravens give Lamar what he wants? Is Lamar Jackson, in your mind, worthy of a Deshaun Watson-esque contract? $230 million guaranteed. Is he worth it? Love to hear your thoughts. Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. WWSR Run underscore radio. Tweet me at uh, Worldwide, or right on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Red Network, and check us out on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Red Network as well. When we return, the big news of the day, Bruce Arians stepping down from the uh, Buccaneers. Did Tom Brady force him out? I think that answer is absolutely no, and I'll explain why it's stupid to think so when we return. This is to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Red Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So Bruce Arians, big news of the day, he is out, at least as a head coach of the Buccaneers. He retired last night in a surprising move 
and Todd Bowles is taking over as the brand new head coach of the Buccaneers moving forward. The big speculation, the big talking point, the big discussion coming out of this is, did Tom Brady force Bruce Arians out? Was this a power struggle that went Tom's way? I think absolutely not. The one thing I can confidently say is Tom Brady absolutely did not force out Bruce Arians. That narrative to me makes zero sense. Because let me ask you a very simple question. If you're Tom Brady at 45 years old with, I don't know, one, two, maybe really good years left to try to win a Super Bowl, in that very limited time span, would you rather play for Bruce Arians or Todd Bowles? And the answer is very simple and very easy. You're playing for Bruce Arians. You want to play with the guy who you already won a Super Bowl with, who has shown to be a very good head coach over Todd Bowles, who, yes, had a rough, you know, rough shake in New York with the Jets and not have a lot of talent, but is 24 and 40 in his career as a head coach. You are not opting at 45 years old to play for Todd Bowles in Tampa next season over Bruce Arians. Because I don't understand why this narrative is out there that there was this big rift, this big hatred, this big rivalry between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Do we forget Tom Brady wants to be coached? Tom Brady is a guy who always thrives on constructive criticism. He is someone who, right, what, is always motivated. He always has a chip on his shoulder. He is still a guy in the 23rd season in the NFL. At age 45, is somehow still motivated by being the 199th pick back in the draft over 20, 20 years ago. He looks for any and every way to be motivated. And Bruce Arians didn't sugarcoat anything. Bruce Arians was not afraid to coach Tom Brady. So do you really think Tom Brady was looking for a yes man when he left New England? Do you think he was really looking for someone just to kiss his ass all day, every day, and tell him how great he is? No. The guy still wanted to win. He is still motiv- uh, motivated to win this this uh, at this time in his, in his life. And Bruce Arians was the coach who was able to get the best out of Tom Brady. I don't think you're chasing away a head coach who literally got the best out of your career. And look at Tom Brady in his last two years in Tampa Bay. They were the two most successful statistical seasons of Tom Brady's career, and they both came under Bruce Arians. If you look at 2020 and 2021, Tom Brady threw for 9,949 yards and 83 touchdowns. Those yards and touchdowns are the highest in a two-year period in Tom Brady's career. So under Bruce Arians, in a two-year span, Tom Brady saw the most or the greatest statistical two-year period of his career at ages 43 and 44. Last year, he led the NFL in passing yards, touchdowns, attempts, completions. Do you really Are you really trying to sit here and tell me Tom Brady is forcing out the head coach who literally got the best out of him the last two years? That makes no sense. There's no way I'm believing that. Bruce Arians did what his job was to coach Tom Brady hard and make him the best he could be. And for the last two years, Bruce Arians accomplished that. I don't think Tom Brady is forcing out Bruce Arians now uh, for what? For what? Like, what? Wh- what is the reason? Because they got in a little argument. Because they're a little upset about maybe the the dynamic power struggle. Like, what do you? What is this narrative? Because guess what? There was no power struggle. Tom Brady had all the power. 
Tom Brady got any and every player he wanted. Bruce Arians didn't want Antonio Brown. Guess who signed Antonio Brown? The Buccaneers. Tom Brady won out. The Buccaneers, the GM, the front office, the ownership, gave Tom Brady every single player he wanted, didn't care what Bruce Arians' opinion was. Tom Brady was getting everything he wanted. So it's not like the front office was catering to Bruce Arians and his needs over Tom Brady's needs. Tom Brady had the most statistical uh, success in two years he's ever had in his career under Bruce Arians, and he was getting everything he wanted from the Buccaneers in that span as well. There was no power struggle between him and Bruce. So why, if you were Tom Brady, would you want to force Bruce Arians out? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Especially, again, when you now look at it as new head coach and Todd Bowles, who in his four years as a head coach, fair or not, is 20 and 40, or 24 and 40, excuse me. So if you're Tom Brady looking to maximize the last year or two of your retirement, still wanting to play, still wanting to win, you're really going to force out the head coach you want a Super Bowl with in order and favor of Todd Bowles. No disrespect to Todd Bowles. None at all. He has done a, he's had a c- tremendous career, and he has done a great job coaching the Buccaneers. All right, coaching defense, especially the Buccaneers. But I find it far-fetched and hard to believe Tom Brady saying, you know what? Todd Bowles is the guy I want to come back for. I'm not coming back unless Bruce Arians is gone. And if Todd Bowles is the head coach, I'm in. I am not buying that Tom Brady unretired because Bruce Arians, he knew, was, was going out. And I don't buy Tom Brady basically forced an ultimatum that, hey, it's either me or Bruce, and everyone chose Bruce to go. Tom Brady got what he wanted in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's been a guy that is, again, statistically been tremendous. Again, at 44 years old last year, he led the NFL in every statistical category. Why would Tom Brady want to throw a guy out the door who has helped him become and helped him get to a level of play that he has never gotten to in his career? Why? It makes no sense. So I I don't understand why this narrative is running rampant that Tom Brady forced out Bruce Arians. They had, every Tom had everything he wanted. Byron Leftwich was the one he was game planning with the most, and uh, Byron Leftwich is the one calling the plays. So it's not even like he didn't like Bruce Arians' play style. He fit into the offense very well. And again, the Buccaneers, whether it was player-wise, whether it was scheme-wise, catered to Tom Brady. And if you're a little, or if you think Tom Brady's a little upset because Bruce Ames threw him you know, under the bus a few times in the media, I mean, get over yourself. Tom Brady's someone who wants to be coached. Tom Brady's someone who does need that motivation and does need someone to tell him, hey, Tom, this was your fault. Be better. This guy's never satisfied. So do you really think he would be okay with a head coach just saying, Tom, you were great. Ah, uh, Tom, don't worry about that pick. You know, it, it's okay. Tom, don't worry about that overthrow. We'll just put it on the receiver, even though it's Tom Brady's fault. Bruce Arians, for everything Tom Brady has accomplished, to Bruce Arians' credit, was not afraid to call it how he saw it. He didn't care that Tom Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls. He didn't care that Tom Brady won seven. If you overthrow a player on third down, Bruce Arians is going to tell you, hey, Tom, you screwed up. He's not afraid to tell the greatest quarterback in NFL history, it was your fault. Don't look at me, it was you. Don't look at the receiver, it was you. That takes a lot of guts. That takes a lot of stones. But that is what Tom Brady wanted. 
That's how you continue to improve and you continue to get better. So if you really think Bruce Arians was this big, bad guy where Tom Brady couldn't stand, I disagree. He dealt with Bill Belichick for 20 years. Think about that. We know the Belichick-Brady relationship is not the greatest. We know all the success they had. But he stuck it out in New England for 20 years. And now you think two years of Bruce Arians and he's over the edge? You know, he, he can't stand him. He, he can't go on? Like, what are we talking about? Nothing that Tom Brady has done on the field or has done off the field should indicate that he is sick and tired of Bruce Arians. I'm not buying it. I truly am buying what Bruce Arians said. I think timing-wise, he knew this was the right time. I think that he truly wanted to set up his assistant coaches in um, being in the best possible spot. I mean, he knew Todd Bowles, again, fair or not, in his 24-40 and 40 record, was mostly about the lack of talent in New York than anything else. And so if he believes in Todd Bowles and wants to have him succeed, he is going to give him that opportunity to succeed. Because if he, if Bruce Aarons retired when Tom Brady retired, well, everything's going to hell. You're probably going to have to get into a rebuild. You're going to have to probably break it down. And now you're leaving Todd Bowles high and dry with no quarterback and maybe you know a mass exodus in Tampa. So Bruce Aarons realized, you know what, if I retire now, it's late enough in the year where they're not going to do interviews. Obviously, everyone has signed their contracts. Tom Brady's back. You now give... Uh, Todd Bowles the best chance to succeed with a roster that is ready to win right now and they are easily a top two Super Bowl contender in the NFC. So now Todd Bowles is going to get a shot to prove whether he can actually be a really really good head coach or not. And I think Bruce Arians realized, you know what, if I'm going to retire anyway next year, what's the point of waiting? I'm going to give my guys the best possible chance to succeed and I'm going to step away right now. So I am buying what Bruce Arians is selling. Maybe I'm being naive, maybe I'm being a fool in some of your minds. But I think the fools are the ones trying to say that the coach who got the most out of Tom Brady, who won a Super Bowl with him, Tom Brady tried to force out. I can't see it. I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't think it's true. I think it's ludicrous. I think it makes no sense. It goes against everything Tom Brady's ever preached in his career. And it goes against everything Tom Brady has done in his career. So I think there's no way he forced him out. I think this is a relationship that is um, still amicable. And I think would have been fine if the two returned to the sideline in 2022. But I do believe Bruce Arians, I think he's trying to give his assistants, uh, his assistants the best possible chance to succeed. I, though, will say I would have chosen uh, Byron Leftwich over Todd Bowles. No disrespect to Todd Bowles. But I think an offensive-minded head coach right now is the way to go. And you're going to lose Byron Leftwich, the Buccaneers are, whether it's next season well, it's a year after that, you're going to lose him soon. And when Tom Brady retires or leaves, you're going to really need a guy like Byron Leftwich, who is a bright, creative, offensive mind, to be able to develop the next quarterback. You're most likely going to get one through the draft, or if you trade for a young, disgruntled quarterback, you're going to need Byron Leftwich in order to be able to develop them to become a great quarterback. And Byron Leftwich is going to leave. He's going to get a head coaching opportunity. It's not going to be in Tampa Bay now with the the new five-year deal for Todd Bowles. I think that's a big mistake, in my opinion, in Tampa not hiring the offensive mind and keeping him there in Tampa and instead hiring Todd Bowles. But congrats to Bowles on becoming a new head coach. Congrats to Bruce Arians on calling it a career, at least coaching-wise. He's going to stay in the organization in the front office. At least as a head coach, calling it a career. Congrats to you, coach, on a very successful run throughout your 40-plus years uh, in coaching. So that'll do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We appreciate all of you who tuned in and made 
you know, uh, made us a part of your Thursday. We will be back on Monday morning, 9 a.m. Hopefully, the commercial situation will be ironed out by then. We're still trying to work. You know, it's still work in progress, so we'll let you know about that. But really do appreciate everyone who tuned in and made us a part of your um, uh, of our Thursday. So enjoy your weekend. Stay safe and stay sane. My two final four picks, I am picking Duke to win, and I'm picking Kansas to win on Saturday. So enjoy the final four. We'll discuss and break it all down on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 